0: Get ready for life, the universe, and everything. On the Soul Forge.
1: Hey folks, Sean here with episode 29 of the Soul Forge podcast. I've got a rather uh, interesting episode for you folks today. Let me give you a little bit of the background history here. Now as you know, most SoulForge episodes have focused on me and my life and the various experiences that I've undergone, uh, the lessons that I've learned, the stupid things that I've done, and there's been a few other random episodes with other people bringing their perspective on different things in life. Now of course, not everyone can go through everything, so because I haven't gone through everything I can't give you a knowledgeable perspective on certain topics. So this past week, my good friend Paul Wright, he was my co-host on the Sci-Fi Waffle podcast, and he's contributed to the Rusted Robot podcast off and on. After our podcast ended, we continued to Skype with each other every two weeks or so, just to keep in touch and that kind of thing. And over the last few years, he has gone through some, would you call it traumatic or life-altering experiences with his, his mom. He's dealing with her being in a home and her dementia and possible Alzheimer's and that kind of thing. And he, Paul was good enough to share his story with us here on the Soul Forge podcast. However, there was a bit of an issue. I had just upgraded my Skype recorder software. And wouldn't you know it, after we had finished our great talk, it was quite a bit of back and forth and so on. I go to upload the thing and I find that Skype Recorder had only recorded his half of the conversation. So, Christmas Day, what I did was I fiddled around with all the settings, couldn't get my microphone to record, and so what I had to do was uh, well, you don't need to know, but it was uh, a long, drawn out process, took hours and hours, and I re recorded some of my dialogue and just interspersed it throughout our conversation. Couldn't remember exactly what I had said, and there's not a lot of me in this uh, chat. It's mostly all Paul talking about his experiences, and I would recommend not skipping this episode, because Paul has a lot of insight and a lot of great advice. Uh, unfortunately, my part wasn't recorded, and so I'm not in this very much. I just re-recorded it a little bit, and the volumes weren't syncing up, but I, I've I've managed to edit it as best that I can. It's pretty good. Definitely what he had to say is amazing. And once again, Paul, thank you for uh, sharing your story with us. And listeners, here you go. You're in for quite an eye-opening experience. And now I'd like to welcome my good friend Paul Wright to the show.
0: Thank you very much, Sean. It's good to be here.
1: Paul, you and I have known each other for, what, going on almost four years?
0: That's right, yes. It's uh, scary to think it's that long.
1: We've met through the 10 Forward podcast and for all the contributions that you did for my podcast, The Rested Robot.
0: That's right, yeah.
1: We also did, what, 40 episodes of the Sci-Fi Waffle podcast together?
0: That's right, Yep. Yeah, yeah, 40 good episodes. Well, 40 episodes.
1: <laughs> and Soulforge listeners might know you from the emails you've sent and the uh, audio clips that I took out from a conversation that we had a few weeks ago.
0: Yes, I sort of came on a few weeks ago in little excerpts.
1: (laughs) Now, of course, that wasn't meant to be an episode. It was just a conversation that we were having while I happened to be eating dinner. And it was such a good chat that I decided to uh, take it and make it part of an episode.
0: No, no, he's finished his his lunch now.
1: (laughs) Paul, you were good enough to uh, come on, have a conversation about uh, what would you call it? Dementia, dealing with aging, basically putting a parent in a home. Yeah, I mean,
0: that's right. Yeah, I mean, it it sounds a bit brutal, but uh, that is basically what has happened. Yeah, over the last uh, year or so. Well, in fact, it was this time last year when we had to uh, eventually try and well try and convince my dad to put my mom into a home. Uh, She's been suffering from Alzheimer's and uh, dementia uh, for the last five or so years, and it had got to the point where my dad just could not cope with the day-to-day nursing that she required. So, I mean, that the, the whole thing really sort of started, like I say, started about five years ago when we'd been on a family holiday uh, with my mum and dad and my wife's parents as well. We were just sort of generally finishing up one night and we were getting ready to go to bed and my parents went into into the bedroom and we were just finishing tidying up a bit in the, in the kitchen. And next thing, my mum my came out of the bedroom and started looking around and she'd obviously lost something so or had, hadn't you know, remembered to pick something up so i went over to her and said Are you, you okay mom Do you, you, have you lost something and she said yes I, I i don't know where the bedroom is i said well you've just come out of the bedroom it's it's right there and so i took her to the to the room and took her inside and she said oh right yes and sort of looked a bit confused and a bit bewildered and off she went and i thought well, that was a bit um unusual and a bit worrying. And she had seemed at that point over over a few months before then, she had seemed to be a little bit quieter than usual and not so much focused on, on what people were saying when there was a conversation going on. And I spoke to my wife about it. She said, that sounds a little worrying. And she pointed out a few things that had happened earlier in the day and, and a couple of days before. And you know, there was little, little sort of warning signs there that something wasn't quite right. So we, uh, we sort of made the decision that we'd have to have a word with my dad, but we couldn't really do it on the holiday. It was a bit, I mean, you know, the timing was wrong. So so we just sort of, we just kept an eye on, on my mum. She, she wasn't, you know, physically she was fine. I mean, you know, there was, there was no, no issues there. But over the holiday, there was a couple of things that seemed to indicate there was something wrong. When we got back, I contacted my sister and said um, to see whether she had noticed anything. Uh, because she lives a little bit further away from us, yeah, she only gets to see... Uh, my mum and dad every few months and she said that you know there was a, a couple of instances a couple of things that had happened that had you know now that i you when know, out once i'd mentioned it she sort of picked up on it and said yeah i think there's there is something wrong so uh, i then uh, spoke to my mum's sister my auntie and they've they've always been close uh, very very close you know for all of their lives and i asked her and i said i think there's something wrong with 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 mum, and she said yes i think you're right there's something's not quite right. So I said, well, we need to speak to dad and, and have a word with him about it. And of course, nobody really knew how to approach my dad because my dad's a very really, you know, proud man. He's you know, he's 78 now. Um, and he's been looking after my mum for, you know, since they were married when they were about 26 or 50 odd years. You know, they've, they've been together.
1: That's a very long time and a lot of life.
0: It's a very long time. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life, and I don't say that light, that lightly either. Is, it's
1: a very delicate and sensitive topic to bring up.
0: Well, that's right. It was It was very much trying to get my dad on his own so that my mum couldn't hear the conversation. Fortunately, she went out uh, one night and uh, with some friends and, and I managed to get uh, my dad on his own. I don't know what other people are like with the parents, but I find it. it's very hard to, as a man especially to, to try and speak to your father about something emotional and something... Um, You know, medical, it's a a hard thing to try and, you know, it's it's awkward. With men, you don't talk about things.
1: Yeah, and you actually grew up in the same house with your parents being together. So you had a lot of time growing up with your dad and so on. Of course, I didn't, you know, because we've talked about how my parents split up when I was a lot younger. So we have vastly different upbringings.
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah. It's it, it's a it's a hard relationship between you know, father and son. It's all you know, very much you know. You've got to be the rock of the family, and to see my dad you know vulnerable like that is was a hard thing. You know, I, I obviously asked him the question about, about mum and said, you know, we, we think she's getting worse, is the words I used. Um, my dad sort of straight away tears in his eyes said, yes, the, you know she's you know she's getting worse, and I said, well, but what is she getting worse of? We we didn't know what was wrong, although we were you know, you sort of had an idea, but you didn't. We we didn't know anything about Alzheimer's. You hear about oh yeah, you forget your memory, dementia. Oh, it's when people go you know go silly, loopy, and all this. You don't know what they're doing, and you know that's all you hear because you don't you don't know anybody with it, and you you don't really understand what it's all about. So, my dad said, okay, I'll, I'll get her to go to the doctors, and we'll we'll try and work out what it is. So. He took it to the doctors. They uh, said it looks like it's you know early stages of uh, Alzheimer's, which is the forgetful part, but it's you know it's, it is uh, dementia, which is the uh, the bigger problem. So once we knew that officially, and they tested it, they tested her to see to sort of really benchmark her to see where she is, and then they were going to test her again later on to see how far she'd gone. And they were given the tests of memory and all sorts of things. And that was, like I said, that was about five years ago. So really sort of within four years, uh, you know, within four years, she, she got to the point where she was into her home. But in the first year, nothing really seemed to get any worse. There, there wasn't any sort of you know, gradual decline. We were thinking, oh, this will be a, a slow decline over a number of years. So we'll, we'll have mama she is for a while. And then, you know, th- then things will start to go. What we weren't expecting is she was relatively stable for about a year and then around about christmas time she took a big step down
1: so like just a dramatic sudden change
0: yeah all of a sudden she caught up with where she was supposed to be so it, it was um really um distressing for my dad because obviously one day she was relatively okay a bit forgetful a bit you know sort of unsure of things a loss of confidence in some areas and next thing she didn't know what she was doing who she was with you know why you know why people were doing things And then she sort of would get used to that state and she used to get very anxious because she didn't know what she was doing. She didn't know who my dad was. And then suddenly she sort of calmed down and then it would start, you know, she would sort of, you know, level off and think, well, okay, I'll accept that. And and then she was stable again for a bit.
1: Almost like she was going back to the way she was.
0: Yeah, slightly, slightly upwards again. So you'd have that bit of a drop and then you think, oh. Oh yeah, this is the next step. This is a step where you know we forget it, and then she'd be okay again. And then another large number of months would go by, another ten or eleven months, and then she took another step down. And it was this is the way it was. It wasn't a gradual, slow progress of you know the brain sort of slowly. It was as though things were you know like links in her brain were snapping, and so another bit would go. So she so after after about two years, she didn't really know who I was. She knew. That she knew me and she knew that I was a friendly person. She, was, she talked to, about, uh, to my dad about um, coming, because every Sunday she'd come around to, to us with, uh, you know, with my dad and have a, a meal. And she referred to, to us, to my dad, uh, as those nice people down the road. So she, we, we knew that we'd lost that link, that you know, she didn't know who we were, but, but we, were, we were friendly you know, people. So she was quite happy to come round and 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 all that. But after a while, and this is this is what Alzheimer's really is and dementia really is. She it got to the point where it wasn't that she didn't know that I was her son. She didn't know what a son was. So and she didn't know what a husband was. She didn't even know she'd had a husband. But when you say do you, when the the eventually when she went into the home, the nurses would say to her, "Who's this gentleman that's here with you now?" And she and she'd look and say, um, "I don't know." So, is it your husband? And she sort of looks at them and would say, sorry, husband. She had no concept of what that meant.
1: Words without context or
0: meaning. Yeah. And it's, it's that that really is what Alzheimer's is. It's not forgetful memory. It's not like coming out of the supermarket and pulling your car keys out of your pocket and thinking, now, where the hell have I put the car? It's coming out of the supermarket, pulling the car keys out, looking at them in the hand and thinking, what are they? That's really what Alzheimer's and dementia is. It's not forgetfulness. It's a total lack of understanding of what anything means.
1: That's frightening.
0: Yeah, it's it's something that uh, we were watching a program on TV about it. Um, after uh, obviously just we were trying to find out where things were going to lead. It actually turned out that we were ahead of the program. The program was saying this is what it looks like when they start, and we were way past that uh, by the time we saw the the picture. But there was a good couple of um, parts in it where it was a, a gentleman who, would, who was having the problem and the lady was trying to look after him. She didn't want him to go into a home. She wanted to look after him. But it was quite obvious that he was well beyond anything she could cope with. And he would sort of like snap and, and start shouting at her and because you know, he just didn't understand what was going on.
1: It sounds like it's similar to being in a foreign country where you don't know the language.
0: Exactly. And that is the, big, the biggest part of it is yeah, it's the frustration. They, they, uh, they get all agitated and they don't know what's going on and they can't understand what's going on it doesn't matter how you try to explain it to them they will never understand because they are now in their own world and you have to go into their world you can't expect them to live in yours
1: you just have to go with it as best as you can i suppose
0: no that's right it, it's you, know, you have to roll with whatever they're doing you, you roll with it if they suddenly say oh and 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 how's your uh, you know how, how's your grandmother doing he said well i haven't got a grandmother she's been dead for 20 years you know but you've got to say oh she's fine yeah no problem you know and and roll with it, and, you know just go with it because they won't understand if you say no she's dead they go who's dead you know it's, it's, it's the conversation goes very strange very quickly so uh so eventually like i say things got to a point where um in fact, my, my my dad is actually deaf one ear and he's going deaf in the other ear, which doesn't help. But he can't hear people using the doorbell, for example. So one day, fortunately, he, he, he got up in the end. But he got up and came downstairs to find somebody banging on the door. And um, it was the next door neighbor. And they said, your wife is with us. And she got out the house. and um, But she didn't know where she was. As soon as she got outside the house, she didn't know, where, you know where, where she was, what she was doing. So fortunately, she went to the next house and knocked on their door. and They obviously recognized her and took her in and, and everything. They did actually try to contact us. They drove around to our house and knocked on our door, and I couldn't hear it because we, live, we sleep in right at the top of the house at the back, and we, we can't hear. He'd knocked on the door. If he'd used the doorbell, he would have been fine. But So, so that sort of scared my dad a bit, and I think uh, one thing led to another after that, and we said, look, you know, I, I got him uh, – t- exactly this time last year, just before Christmas, I said to him. Uh, he'd started to put it into a home uh, during the daytime, uh, one day a week, uh, just for a, a few hours just so he could then get a bit of relaxation and, and rest because he was looking like death warmed up. I mean, it was really...
1: Sounds exhausting.
0: He was. He was. He, I mean, twenty-four. this is 24-hour-a-day care, and nobody's paying him for it. You know, he's doing this because he wants to.
1: That's 50 years of love right there.
0: Of course. Yeah, that's right. I just, you know, he, he's, you know, from the... He was born in 1939. He, he He's, you know, of that generation where you get married and you stay with them and you look after them through sickness and health so simple as that so he was um he was totally emotionally and, and uh, physically tired and i said to him look i said you've got to realize that you know that everybody you know my auntie and my, my sister and all that and myself we all support you if you want to put my mum into a home you know for good. Don't worry about it. We are behind you. It's got, but it's got to be your decision to do that. And we, you know, we don't want to force you. But it have to be, you know, you, you've got to do it. But do not think that, you know, we will think any less of you because, you know, that, you know, that'll be the decision. So we sort of uh, for Christmas and New Year's Day last year, I get a phone call from my dad, totally in tears, saying I've made the decision to put my mum into a home. You know, I, I can't cope anymore, and. We all sort of <laughs> cheered So finally, you know, if we, we, you know, come to the right decision.
1: At his age, he has to take care of himself first before he can take care of anybody else.
0: That's right. He'd done he'd done too much, really. He, he, you know, he had done too much. So um, so we went through the process of finding a home, um, which she's she's in now. She gets total care 24 hours a day. She's in the right place people there are used to that to, to that to those sort of symptoms and pe- you know the the conditions that uh, that she's got you know she's she's in a safe environment she's fed and um, you know looked after and cared for and my dad now is you know a lot healthier and <laughs> looking a lot better for it and he goes to see her every day or every every other day if he can't make it and uh, you know I I you know I think it's um, you know it's it's great it's uh, it's it's much better for him much better for Mum because she's not in a state of agitation all the time because you know she doesn't know who this person is who's trying to get her undressed to get pajamas on you know what are pajamas you know, you know all, all that sort of thing it's a you know it's a constant state of agitation with being with my dad now she's in a bit in a better place with people who can understand the condition and, and work with her a lot better
1: well, yeah, and the people in those homes are are trained to deal with those kind of symptoms and people with those kind of issues.
0: Exactly, and they see it every day. They they see you know different stages of it. Mum Mum's still in a, uh, sort of one of the earlier stages of of um, the condition compared to the other people who are there. There's a lot of people sitting there who are just vegetables. I mean, they they are literally just sat there drooling, and that's eventually what will happen to Mum. But she's nowhere near that yet. She <laughs> she helps the nurses go around giving the medication out.
1: Like she thinks she has a job there or something
0: almost. So yes, <laughs> she, she's often. She's often found in other people's rooms, you know, making the bed and what have you. So, <laughs> yeah, she's um, she's settled in nicely and she's been there just, just on a year now, just coming up to a year. <laughs> Although I've explained all of that, this, this is where it gets quite hard for me. Because when when I knew what was going to happen, when I knew that it was Alzheimer's and the route we were going to take, uh, I knew where it was going to end up. And that was my mum in a home. And after a couple of years, I knew I'd lost my mum. She didn't really know who I was, but she was still... She'd still come to the front door. We'd you know open the front door. She'd come in and she'd give me a big bear hug, and you know which she, she always did. You know when every time we met, she's a, I'm only five foot four. She's four foot six. Right, so she's only a, a very small person, but she'd give you this enormous bear hug of you know sort of just say hello. And um, you know she was doing that for for a long time. And then when she went, by the time she'd sort of got to go into the home, the first time we went in, she didn't really know where she was she she knew she didn't realize she had to stay there um, and it took a couple of weeks for her to sort of settle in and the first time we went there we, we went to say goodbye and we said we'd already heard uh, one story of uh, my auntie going in trying to trying to leave and she wouldn't let her and, and it was all very traumatic so i said to my wife what we'll do is you uh, i said to my wife you say you're going to go get a cup of tea and leave and wait for me by the front door and then I will say I'll just go and see where Linda is and then I'll leave the, house, I'll leave the room and I'll say to one of the nurses we're leaving now and um, they can go in and within five minutes she'll have forgotten we were there so my wife left and then I went to leave but she followed me out so then I was stuck then and I couldn't so I, I said to one of the nurses look I'm, you know, I really need to go can you just distract my mum so she was saying, uh, oh, yes, come over here, Mrs. Wright. Come over here, Mrs. Wright. Only for then, I thought, I'm away now. I tried to get to the door. and Before I'd even got there, my mum had caught me up. and was got- grabbing hold of me saying, no, don't go, don't go. Take me with you, take me with you. I went, no, I can't, I can't do that. I had a nurse trying to pull her away from me on one side. I was trying to pull away from her from the other side and get through the door. And when I got through the door, closed the door, I could see her hands on the handle trying to, trying to pull the door open, which was locked because it's a, a security door. And that was really, really heartbreaking, traumatic. I thought, I can't do this every day. You know, I can't, every time I go to see her, I can't, I can't be doing that. That's, that's just too hard. I mean, that's, it felt like, to put it very simply, having a puppy or a cat and, shutting the front door on them when you go to work and they're sat there going, where are you going? You're leaving me on your own. And it was it was just like that. The look in her eyes was very much, why are you leaving me here? You know, take me with you. And it was it was really, really hard. So <laughs> it's, it was, I mean, there's plenty of funny stories we've got of her. And it's not all heartbreaking stuff. You yeah, know, there was a, the, one of the last times um, I saw her, which was a, a, a while back, which I'll explain why in a minute. We, it was her birthday, and we took in some flowers for her. We went in, and one of the nurses said, "Oh, you got some flowers there? Great!" Um, uh, I said, "Can we take them to her room?" Because yeah, we just you know, don't want to dump them anywhere. She goes, "Yeah, yeah, put them in the room." So we went up uh, into her room, and she was there. So we gave her the flowers. We came back, and uh, we're walking down the corridor, and the nurse came back out and said, uh, "Oh, hello, uh, Eileen. Hello, nice to see you. You got some flowers before?" And she, my mum just looked at her and said, "Flowers, flowers." And she says, yes, yes, flowers from your son. She went, son? Son? <laughs> and she just didn't realize, she didn't know that I was her son and I'd given her flowers, which I'd just literally done about 30 seconds earlier. She had no concept of of what a son was, let alone that I was her son and I'd given her flowers. So, which really makes you feel odd because you're thinking, no, I am her son, honest. It, it really is me <laughs> because the nurse starts looking at you going, are you really her son? Are you just some bloke who's come into the, through the door and you know, what are you doing here? I say, like, no, no, it is me.
1: Really? <laughs> because the nurses can't possibly know all the family members of all the patients, right?
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They have shift changes and all sorts of things. So you, they, they don't, <laughs> so well fortunately, that was okay. But um, I had already in my own mind when we put Mum into the home, uh, this time last year, to me, she wasn't my mum, and and my dad says the same thing. She isn't uh, his wife. It's just a, a, an old lady he goes to see every day, because uh, she know doesn't know who he is, you know. So and that's not his wife. It's not my mum. It's not, and it hasn't been for you know a long time. It's just a you know a, an old lady that we go to see. My mum doesn't exist anymore. So it, in my mind, I've already gone through the bereavement and loss. Of my mum, the hard part is I've then got my sister going to see her every two weeks, and my dad sees her every other day, and they come out and tell me how she's been and what she's done. I have never been comfortable in old people's homes. I've ne- when I went to see my nan when she had the same uh, problem, but she was in her nineties. Um, you go in there, there's, there's you know. Fortunately, this new, the home that she's in doesn't smell that's 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 a plus side of that home but i've been in i've been in homes where you go in and you think no this does have that smell you know you're in and old people and and the awkward conversation i've not i'm not a sociable person at the best of times the awkward conversations you have to have with <laughs> the other people who are in there who obviously strike up a conversation with you and they, oh, you know i don't really know you <laughs> i don't know where to go with this and it's you know it's you know, i've got to move into your world and i'm not really i don't know what where that is and what that is it's very hard for me to do that to the point where i have stopped going to see my mum because as far as i'm concerned she's already gone i've gone through that loss when she does finally pass away i will not grieve because i've already done that it sounds very cold and and it probably is but i've never been that way i've never been sentimental it's just i mean that's why I got into Star Trek because we're like Spock. He's very emotion emotionless. He deals in logic and he thinks logically and you know, when somebody passes away, they've gone. You move on. And that's you know when my when my grandparents passed away I never shed a tear for them, even though we we were really close. You know, they're gone, I'd seen them a few days before they're gone, I'd already gone through that process of knowing I wouldn't see them again. So logically I've moved on. And that's what I'm doing with my mum. But my brother in law can't understand how I'm doing that. And he keeps saying, why haven't you seen your mum recently? You need to go and see your mum. And he's badgering me and badgering me. And I thought, no, the more you push, the more I'll resist. I mean, my sister hasn't had children. She's approaching 50 now. Uh, she's married She's married um, a, 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 my brother-in-law, who's already had a, he's a divorcee. He's had two kids. And she gets on really well with, with his kids, who are now in the... 20s um, and always has done she's you know a brilliant auntie to my kids she you know, she likes kids but she's not got a maternal bone in her body you know on the other way but I've not really got any sentimentality in that respect when it comes to keep you know, keeping things or you were saying about um minimalizing the other week you know throwing away stuff because it's not the image it's not that object that has the memory it's the memories in your head and that's where that's where I am my all my memories of my mum are all in my head I don't need to keep things of hers. I don't need to see things of hers. I'll look at photographs and what have you. But I'm not that sentimental that it's, you know, I I don't want to go and see my mum because I've already lost her.
1: Because that person sitting there isn't your mum anymore. The the mum that you knew is gone. You have her in your memories and in the pictures and that's who she is.
0: Exactly. And some of the pictures of her now, because she's now starting to look a lot older and, you know, the the clothes that she's wearing. Every time I see her, I think that's not my mum.
1: My grandmother was in the home for about 10 years and we would visit her, but she couldn't speak. She mumbled and she moved herself around and she could eat a little bit, but it wasn't her. There was no communication and it was very sad. I would only go every once in a while because I lived here. And so five hours away, see see them three, four times a year and the progress would just get slowly and slowly worse, but it was more dramatic for
0: me. I don't know how you felt, but I felt as though... I was going to visit my mum so that it would look good to my dad or look good to my sister. That I'd gone to see him. Right, I've done my I've done my duty. I've seen her now. Everybody's happy. My sister has, has said to me about you know because I I said look, I said I'm, I'm really because sure. the other thing was is we were having shorter and shorter visits with my mum. Every time we went, it would be it started off with like you know half an hour, then it would go down to 10 minutes think, well okay she's getting you know she she would you would go in she would walk around she'd take her take you into her room she'd get into bed say right you can go now oh okay uh, we'll go then it, the the last visit my wife had with her was 30 seconds before we got thrown out by her she she was not happy with us you know no i don't know who you are go away you know what are you doing what are you doing just go go and she and she physically pushed her towards the door and pushed her out, out of the door so we were not getting good visits now I believe that was the medication that she was taking and they have changed it and she's now more less agitated and more relaxed but I still have those visits in the back of my mind and I I really don't you know I, I can't think of what can you say to, to somebody like that I mean I, I'll show you some pictures of what we did and this is your grandson and this is me and she'll just look at them blankly and not know who the hell they are and then she'll get up and say no I want to go to the to, to the other room now uh, so right okay so you get up and walk with to her to the next room and she looks at you just to say why are you following me and it's just not it's not comfortable I'm not really I can't do that it, it's, it's hard work and I'd rather it, it's she's being looked after really well and me being there was agitating her more and that, I felt I was in the way and not helping in any way, and the only reason I went to Syria is so that I could go to my dad and say yes, I saw mum today, and he was happy that that happened. He's become a lot more understanding about that, and my sister said to me, "Don't worry about not going to see mum. We'll, you know, we'll go and we'll keep you updated on what's going on." Because it, it's your decision, that's fine. So my sister was was okay with it and put me at ease. But uh, it is, um, uh, you know, and of course with Christmas coming up, I've, you know, I've got her a card. I can't really buy her anything because there's, there's no real point to buying her anything I you know, can't really give her any trinkets or anything she wouldn't know what they are uh, who they're from and
1: it's difficult because she's not really there even though she is
0: oh yes yeah, she's fine I mean I was going to say mentally she's still there it's, physically she's still fine and you know she, she talks to people she'll you know she'll you know chat to the nurses and you know they have Entertainers coming in through the week, and they do things, and you know, they they do activities and stuff, and make things, and so she's she's constantly kept you know, going. But I think she's more and more now to the to the point where she doesn't really know what she's doing or you know, why she's doing it. It takes it takes four of them to get her into the shower. But in mind, she's only four foot six. She said we had a description the other day. They said they were trying to get her into the shower, and she was fighting off the nurses like a ninja turtle. <laughs> Which we were all laughing at, thinking, "Oh my goodness, that's you know it's hilarious." But thinking, "Oh my goodness, what must that have been like for the four nurses that were trying to get her into the bath?" Oh, so yeah, I mean, leave that to them. But you know, it's it's just not something I'm I'm comfortable with looking at my mum and thinking, "Why am I here? I'm here for the wrong reasons. I'm not here because she's my mum. Uh, I'm not here. The only reason I'm here really is to placate
1: the expectations of others."
0: Yeah, for other people, and that's the wrong reason to be there. So it's I'm in a state of limbo, mentally, because I've lost my mum. I've gone through the grieving process, but people keep reminding me that she's here, and I keep saying uh, we get Facebook images uh, of her. You know, my dad puts things on, and my sister puts things on, uh, which is good. You know, it's good to see. I'd rather see that, but at the same time, I'm thinking, ah, you know, she, she's there, but she's not. So I'm very, very much sort of conflicted and confused. And I, I would love to be the sort of person that could go into the home and, and speak to her and 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 you know converse with her and keep her occupied my dad t- says now she's got to the point where he used to go in and do jigsaws with her he used to you know bring all these jigsaws and help her doing them she's not interested in them anymore uh, and that's the only the only thing that really we could go in and do that would keep her occupied so it's it's getting harder and harder to to do things with her but There you go. That's me. That's what it is. People can judge me and think, oh, I don't know how he could do that. I'd rather be going every day. That's fine. People are like that. I am not. Um, If there's anybody else out there that has the same sort of feelings or issues, then I understand what you're going through. It's, It's hard. It is really hard.
1: It's obviously a very difficult thing to talk about. Is it any easier now than when you first were going through this?
0: Okay, now, like I say, she's been in there a year. If you'd asked me to do this a year ago, I couldn't have done that it was easier to say, you know, oh yes, we put her in a home, we've got this, we've got that, but then as soon as we had to visit and see what she was going through and what she had to you know, what she had to deal with try to speak to her and get things out of her. It was that's that's a hard thing to get across to people that you're speaking to your mother but she doesn't know that she is your mother. She doesn't know what a mother is. So it it's Hard to explain that. It's easier now because we've been through it and we understand it a bit more. And we, you know, we know what it's a condition, I and mean, it's it's probably the worst, uh, worst medical condition you can have because you're still physically capable of doing things, but you've, no, but, and you don't realize uh, as the sufferer you don't realize how bad you are. You you don't know there's anything wrong with you. You don't know who these people are, what they're doing, or why. But ten minutes later, you've forgotten all of that. Uh, if you shout at somebody because they've done something that annoys you, two, two three seconds later, they've forgotten that. And they can be right back down and normal again. And that that was that part where mum wasn't when she got into the home, and she was she was still at the point where she would be talking normally to you, and then she'd sort of instantly, oh no, go away, I don't know who you are, type of thing. And then two or three minutes later she'd be back to normal again. And it's just those little things in the brain, those little you know joints that are snapping and saying right, I've forgotten who that is now.
1: It's like a roller coaster with all kinds of switchbacks or something.
0: Yes, it's almost like, because my, my dad said it was almost like a mini stroke. You know, it's like suddenly, you know, there she was and she didn't know who he was. And then it come back again. But then, you know, the next day it was gone. And it was as, as quick as that. You know, it's, it's it wasn't the slow decline we had. But you see, you can always see these little things happening where the brain was, you know, the, the connections was, were breaking. But anyway, I, I've spoken uh, enough about that. I think I've hogged this uh, episode far too long.
1: Not at all, Paul. This is really great information. Uh, just to close out, do you have any insight onto the care homes themselves? It,
0: right, it depends on on who you are. So, if you are the carer of the person and you are able, well, every, fortunately everybody in the UK is able to put somebody into a home. It's finding a home that is the hard part. Because if you are state funded, then you basically go where you where you're given, and wherever there's a space. Now, a lot of the care homes are good. The ones that are not so good tend to be reported on. Uh, If you're in a position where you can afford to pay for some of it, do it as soon as you can. Don't be afraid to put somebody into a home because you can't cope, because that's the best thing you can do mentally for yourself. And for them, they get the better care and you can look after yourself better now if you're if you're an elderly person like my dad who was in his 70s when he was trying to do this it's uh, it's it's a lot harder to try and do, to give 24-hour care to somebody uh, than it is if you're a lot younger let's say let's say you're the, the son or the daughter of the person who who's got the problem but i would say it's it sounds heartless but the best thing all round for both people is to get them into a home as soon as you can financially that's what's going to stop you if you you know in some cases but there are a lot of good people in those homes that know exactly how to deal with the condition that you know that person's got. As for, you may think you know the person because you've been married to them for a long time, or they're your mother or father, and you know, you know what's best for them, because this is what my dad was doing a lot of as well. He says, I I know what's best for her, she needs to do this. Wrong. Everything he tried to do was wrong. Because as soon you know, as soon as he he said, Oh no, I'll look after her, I'll I'll do this, I'll do a jigsaw with her, I'll do this with her, I'll do that with her uh, no, she was she was slowly but surely losing it, and she didn't know who he was. So why is she in this home with this strange person? Why are you doing this? So it, you know, if you're going to do that, it's best for a carer to do that, and they know exactly the responses to you know to the questions. They know how to handle that situation better. So person is you know, obviously a lot better off in the home. It is the hardest thing you will ever do because you are letting go of somebody who you've loved for a long time. But don't feel as though you're going, that you're giving up on somebody and, and saying I can't do it anymore. You will let, you will end up in a, in a home yourself if you tr- if you try and stay too long with that person. You know, it, in, you know, my dad was at breaking point when he when he rang me and that was far too late. Don't get to breaking point. You it it, it's almost like save yourself because the other person will be cared for a lot better if you let if you let go. So that's that's the biggest th- the biggest thing I'd say is don't wait until it's too late but I can guarantee most people will.
1: I'm sure that's a lot easier said than it is done because of the
0: feelings involved, am I right? Of course. It's it's natural. It's it's it's, it's 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 me trying to be logical and saying, look, you've left it too late. We said the same thing to my dad. For a whole year, we tried to convince him to put my mum into a home. And it was only when he got to breaking point that he realized that, you know, fine. And we were fine with that decision. And that's the other thing. If, if you've got somebody who's in a position where they're looking after somebody, support them as much as you can. Give, the, you know, get, give them a break if you can. You know, get somebody to look after the person or be with them for an hour while you take that that carer away for an hour. Go and have a coffee with them and a donut or something, and just have a chat with them for an hour. Gets them, it, it resets the brain. It gives them that bit of a break because they're going to be with them for the next 23 hours, so you know, and the rest of the week. And you know, so it's you know, get get the carer as much rest as you can if they, if they want to stay with them.
1: And there's really only a couple of people that are qualified to even talk about something like this. So I'm happy you, you decided to share your story with me, Paul.
0: And I'm, and I'm one of them. <laughs> so, yeah, it's easy. It's, it's the other thing is it's easy to talk into a microphone and say all of this stuff. It gets it off your chest, and that is a, a huge relief to people as well. If they can, you know, It's all right to say, well, I, I don't want to talk to anybody about it. I can't really talk to anybody about it. Well, don't. Just talk to, come, on to, come on to the Soul Forge and talk about it. But speak into a microphone. Just say it out loud. Speak to a, your closest friend, whoever it is. Speak to them about it because getting it off your chest helps as well. Even if they can't help with the situation, just talking about it, is, it, it takes so much off your mind.
1: And it's really a huge topic. We've only barely even scratched the surface. There's so much more you could probably talk about. Exactly. Thank you for coming on to the Soul Forge podcast and talking about a hidden topic that not a lot of people are bringing to light. We're all getting older. It's something we're all going to have to deal with at one point in our lives, whether it's us, a family member, a loved one, a friend, somebody like that. So your story is very important. And thank you for sharing it with
0: me. Thank you very much for the opportunity to do this.
1: Alright, so that was my interview with Paul. I learned quite a bit. Like I had said, I had gone through a bit of that with my grandmother. However, because we live five hours apart from each other, I only got to see her a few times a year, and she was not talkative, and so on. So, a little bit different. It was a grandparent, not a parent. There's that bit of a difference. But anyway... That's, uh, that's Paul's experience, and that's what the Soul Forge is all about. It's all about life, the universe, and everything. Learning from me, learning from others, learning from yourself. Just new experiences, new perspectives on life. And I think that Paul has provided that. So that's the end of episode 29. I've recorded a new end closing, just to make it more streamlined and give you all the information in the best way possible. So I look forward to talking to you guys next week on episode 30. Take care, hope you had a great holiday, and remember... No one is in charge of your happiness, except you. This has been another episode of the Soul Forge Podcast. Contact the show by emailing soulforgepodcast at gmail.com or by tweeting soulforgepod on Twitter. Visit us at soulforgepodcast.com and remember the best way to show your support is by leaving a five-star review in the iTunes store. And if you would, please check us out and like us on Facebook. The Soul Forge Podcast was written, produced, scored, edited, engineered and directed by Sean Vanderloo. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Darth Vaderloo. For more great content, you can listen to my other podcast, The Rusted Robot. Thanks for stopping by The Forge. We'll keep the fires lit until your next visit. I can do this all day.
0: This has been a Valley of Vanderloo podcast production, all rights reserved. This transmission ends now.